So we're wondering if you guys can give us, if you feel comfortable, a nice gay cock in right into the camera. Hey, you. Gay cock in, yeah? I don't know if I can say that. You could say milk and malakam tukus. You know what that means in Yiddish? No, what does milk and malakam tukus mean? Blow hot milk out your ass. <laughs> milk and malakam tukus. <laughs> you heard the yum's the word it was started by a bird my name is robin and her hair has lots of curls actually i blow it out a lot True stories some awkward like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend pretty funny and absurd like your boss tickling your side boob so welcome all you nerds and cool people too this is for everyone except kids Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard a fun little Yiddish lesson from a couple of goys from our July show, MTV Girl Code's Jordan Carlos and Orange is the New Black's Joel Marsh Garland. I love that Jordan had some Yiddish right at the ready. I've never heard Milka Malakam Tokas. Have you heard that before, Alex? I've never heard that. No, it's a gem. I've used it several times since. Have you? No, I've just told people to shoot hot milk. At <laughs> Were they on the subway? Yes. <laughs> I think that would be very funny seeing Alex is a tall, blonde, blue-eyed, you have blue eyes, right? Guy. And for you to just shoot back at somebody and go, milk em, malak em, <laughs> <laughs> Would throw everybody off. Like, Verocity. Yeah. Like. <laughs> let's. I say let's incorporate, especially because the, the Jewish holidays are here. It's very exciting. So they were talking about gay cock and offenyam. So you might be wondering, what in the hell does that mean? And naturally, it means go shit in the ocean. So you'll hear more from Jordan later in the episode. And you might be wondering, like, what's up with all this Yiddish? Well, like I just said, the Jewish holidays are here. Happy New Year. Or L'Shana Tova to all of my fellow Hebes. And if you're listening to this on Yom Kippur, some would say it's a Shanda. But thanks for listening. All right, so as some of you know, uh, we've had some celebrities on the show like Jason Biggs, some people from Orange is the New Black, or at this point it feels like most of the cast of Orange is the New Black, Joy Behar, and uh, and many more. And people always ask me, how do you meet these celebrities? And I have two secrets that I'm going to reveal. Number one, I always find something to open with that they can relate to and that we have in common. And number two, I have balls. And it has gotten me very far. So just last weekend, um, I met Mandy Patinkin walking down by the river because I happened to know his son. And then the weekend before that, I got on the subway platform and I saw Jaja Mamet sitting there. You may know her from Girls. She plays Shoshana. And she's sitting there. And I'm like, what do I say? What do I say? Well, on the last episode of Girls, they were at the moth. So I was like, bingo. So that was my way in. And so we started chatting about that and we get on the subway and it's one of those subway cars where there's no air conditioning and it's brutal and it's so hot. And she says, I'm going to go to the next car. And I said, I'm going to follow you. Uh, Not like that. Like not in a creepy way. She's like, I know. And uh, it turned out that she likes to bake, but oddly enough, she is allergic to dairy and wheat. So she can't eat any of these things that she makes, but she loves to bake. And we ended up talking 
from 86th Street to 14th Street. So we kind of connected. <laughs> You're welcome, Alex. All right, so on to the stories. First up is Jolenta Greenberg. Jolenta is a member of the All-Stars of Comedy. She's a Moth Story Slam winner. And she's the voice of WNYC Studios' new top-secret game show that's premiering this fall. This is her story about trying to teach young girls how to become strong, independent women while she was working at a very posh children's theater program in New York City. So I... I like to think of myself as like a very strong, independent woman. Um, and I've been known to, uh, to say I'm like a feminist Lorax. Like that's how I describe my brand of comedy, you know? And so I say that so much that my husband was like, write, like, write it in verse. Write something in verse if you're the Lorax. So I did. Um, so this is it. Uh, I am the uppity bitch, and I speak for your pussy. (laughs) Now, it doesn't matter if it's bald or if it's bushy, because all pussies should feel safe. And they can always say no, even if it's your date or a friend that's trying to have a go. So let's all get menstrual cups and IUDs and let our pussies roam free. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So before, before I was the, you know, dazzling solo performer, performer you see, I, uh, I was spreading my agenda in a different way by uh, educating the youth, the youth of Manhattan at a, a bougie theater company in Chelsea. Um, and when you teach children at a bougie theater company in Chelsea, like the quality of child you meet is insane. They are unlike anything you've ever encountered. Um, the first type of kid you meet is, is the, the child of a celebrity. This is the child of, you know, a major sports team owner, an Academy Award-winning filmmaker, a politician. And um, they're hard to relate to, these kids, because their, their frame of reference is so far beyond yours. You know, you're dealing with five-year-olds who are like, I'm sick of St. Bart's, you know? <laughs> Or like, you know, and then they'll be like, and we're taking the small jet. Like, it's hard to relate to these kids. Uh, the next type of kid you'll find is, is the uptown kid. And uh, like myself, these kids visually read as Jewish, even if they aren't. Like, that's just what they are. Like, they all have, like, almost see-through skin and, like, severe tree nut allergies. And, like, in their spare time, they enjoy stressing about college, even though they're six. Like, and then the last type of kid you meet is the Park Slope kid. They aren't always from Park Slope, sometimes Lower East Side, you know, give or take. But, you know, they're, they're the type of kid that, like, they base... They base the clothes they wear on, like, the phase the moon is in that day. And, you know, like, they're learning math, but through knitting. It's it's a beautiful thing. And then you put these three types of kids together. You force them to get along, and you force them to make a play that their successful rich parents are impressed by. You do all these things, and then you've entered the circle of hell that I call children's theater. But if children's theater is hell, then I am clearly the devil (laughs) because I can work magic with these little fuckers. Like, 
And the reason I'm so good at dealing with all of these insane children is because I was just nothing like them as a kid. I was not outspoken. I wasn't rich. I was definitely not gluten-free. I, I was a, a shy, timid girl growing up in the forests of Oregon. And uh, in fact, I was so timid and shy that I, I hated telling people my name because my name is Jolenta. It is a weird name. And you are guaranteed when you say what your name is when it's weird that people are going to want to talk. Like, who's, who's a family name? What's that from? Like, oh, like polenta, you know. So when you're a kid with, like, just crippling social anxiety, you do what I did, and you just start telling people your name is Laura. Like, that's how shy I was. I told strangers my name was Laura so I just wouldn't have to talk anymore. Like, no one questions Laura. No one's like, ooh, where's that from? They're just like, yes, okay. <laughs> so anyway, where was I? Oh, so I'm like the brat whisperer because these kids are, like, so foreign to me. I can just, like, piece them together like a puzzle and step back. And, like, it's amazing. And I could just, I could handle anything those weirdos threw at me. Until I met little Millie. So, it's a, it's a beautiful sunny Saturday morning. I'm starting a new semester. All my little kids are coming in on the first day. And in walks this little girl, Millie. This, hold on. The mic stand keeps dropping and I'm tall. Here we go. Uh, so, Millie walks in. And she's holding hands with a man who looks like her, but much older. And I realized that's a blood relative. Because if you teach in Manhattan, you don't see any of those dropping children off. It is always a housekeeper, nanny, driver, everything. I had a kid who had her own driver. Like not, it wasn't like the family's driver. Like her mom and brother had different separate drivers. Like no one's family brings, brings them. So I'm like, what is with this kid? Like she must be special. She has a blood relative dropping her off. Turns out it's her grandpa and little Millie is commuting into the city every Saturday from New Jersey just to take my class. And not like Jersey City, like deep Jersey. So I'm, my heart is just overjoyed that this, this somewhat normal seeming kid is in my room. So I bend down and I'm like, what's your name? And she looks up at me, and her little eyes get all big, and her little face turns all red, and she just starts to tremble, and she just bursts into tears. And she starts crying, and her grandpa just shoves her into my room and just runs away. And as he's sprinting down the hall, he's like, don't worry, she does this all the time. She's a little shy. This kid is inconsolable for the next two hours. Like, this is beyond shy. You know, this is some next level shit. This is some, like, this is some me when I was a kid shit. And then it hits me, like, this is it. This is my chance. We're gonna rewrite fucking history right here in this class. Obviously, Millie was sent to me by the universe because she is me. And I am going to do everything in my power to, to you know, to, to make it so it doesn't take her, like, a decade to find her voice and start telling people her real name, you know? So I decide, fuck all the kids. Millie is my project. <laughs> Millie is my project. And I'm going to make her into a strong, independent woman. 
So from then on, every time we do a new game and Millie starts to cry, I'm like, whoa, 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 Millie, dry those tears, buck up. Strong, independent women love trying new things. Every time we do an art project and she starts crying because she's like, I don't know where to put the glitter. I'm like, Millie, stop crying. Dry your tears. Put on a smile because strong, independent women can put glitter just wherever they want. It's great. Every time we're writing and she can't spell a word, I'm like, Millie, cool it. Sound it out like a strong, independent woman. And one day, we're playing a game that we play at the beginning of every class. Like, Millie knows this game, no need to cry, but she starts crying. And, like, without even losing focus, I'm still instructing the kids. I don't even look at her. I'm like, Millie, whatever. Like, strong, independent women don't cry when they already know the game. (laughs) But she keeps crying and crying. And she's standing right next to me. And she finally starts pulling on my sweater And I look down, and Millie is standing there in a little puddle. Yeah, Millie Peter Pants. Uh, And, like, this isn't rare. Like, this is not a rare occurrence. I, I, you know, when you hang out with 26-year-olds just all the time, like, there's always one standing in a puddle of piss. Um... But I just look at her, and her stupid little face is so sad. And all I can see when I look down at her is just little me looking back up. And, and instead of dealing with it like normal, which is like, whoop, accident, like deal with it, blah, 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 I do something I've never done before, and I grab, I grab my cup of water that I keep in the classroom because you always need to stay hydrated when you are screaming at children all day long. Uh, And I just throw my cup on Millie and yell, whoops, spill my water on Millie, grab her, run her to the bathroom. No one is the wiser. Yeah, I figured the kid who can't say her name, like, shouldn't have to face her entire class knowing she peed her pants. So I take her to the bathroom and she's crying and she's snotting and she's covered in urine And as I'm putting her in in the spare undies that we keep in the office, she just keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was too scared to say I had to go. And it just, like, I just, I break. I break. It breaks my heart. I I decide in that bathroom, covered in Jilly's pee and snot, that, like, my mission is over. I'm not going to make this kid into a strong, independent woman. Like, I just want to make her feel safe. And, like, hug her. So from then on, every time she cries, I pick her up and I hug her and I tell her it's going to be okay and I give her a special treatment, which I'm very against. But I just can't help it. And I just don't care. And I know on the last day of class that, like, I have just failed. Like, this kid is no more strong, no more independent, definitely still a little girl and not a woman. So, so on, the, on the last day of class, we do a, a, a we call it an open rehearsal because six-year-olds have trouble getting off book. Um, so we have our, our presentation of our open rehearsal. Welcome to Manhattan theater classes. Like, we can't even call it a show because, like, what if they call line? Uh, so so we're, at, we're at our open rehearsal, 
And um, how we start the, the show is we line all the kids up on stage and have them say their names. Because the kids are also the playwrights, so we want them to like get the glory both ways. So we stand them all up in a line in the stage, and they're all saying their dumb, bougie names. Literally, one of my children was a Vanderbilt. Like, it's real. Um, and uh, I'm, all I can do is watch Millie. And they're just getting closer and closer to her. And we're, as we're getting closer, her face is just getting redder and redder. And she's, like, visibly trembling. And her eyes are, like, full of tears, but they haven't, like spurted yet and it gets to her and she just freezes uh the room is silent all the kids are staring at her all the parents are staring at her one tear starts to trickle down her face and then she just takes a deep breath and goes i'm millie just on to the next kid and i was overjoyed you guys i did it (laughs) i did it Technically, she did it, and technically, it was just a child saying her own name. (laughs) Not, you know, a revolution of feminism. But, you know, Millie reminded me that strong, independent women are not made overnight. It is a long road to find your voice and become that Lorax. And, like, on that road... It is okay to be scared, and it's okay to cry, like, a lot. And, like, it's even okay to piss your pants a little. Thank you. You can find Jolenta on Twitter at Jolenta G. Okay, next up is a darling message that Auntie recently left me after I sent her a beautiful picture of the sunset on the Hudson River. Hi, Robin. Thank you so much for that beautiful sunset, even though it is Jersey. Did you take it? I don't know how I didn't see it all these days. I was doing something on the computer just before I went to work this morning. Oh, I already printed it out. Beautiful. I'm telling you. Oh, and I must tell you, Nan was so appreciative of your lovely birthday note for her. Note what you did on the computer. So you are something else, kiddo. I love you to pieces, and I'm glad you're mine. I will see you in about 10 days, so I'm kind of looking forward. You know what you got to bring. Chop liver from Zabar's. Love you, honey. I'll speak to you. Bye. Bye. Oh, Auntie, I'll bring you that chopped liver. We had a similar bit of tape of her around this time last year. Do you remember that, Alex? Oh, totally. One of my favorite shows. <laughs> yeah, that also had the uh, shofar. And, yeah, the shofar and the chopped liver from Zabar's. Yep. She accepts nothing but chopped liver from Zabar's. It's pretty, uh, she's pretty, she's consistent. Right. Yeah. I guess we sort of dedicated this episode to Auntie in some ways. Because we're calling it chopped liver. Chopped liver. What am I, chopped liver? Never, auntie, never. I will schlep it up to Connecticut for you. All the way to Hartford. You're welcome. All right, over the last few weeks, we've been asking people to tell us their favorite Yiddish word, and some of the entries are absolutely hilarious. I can tell you, I learned some new words I didn't have in my Yiddish arsenal. Uh, You can check out those videos on our Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, all at Yum's The Word Show. 
That's the handle. And if you have a favorite Yiddish word you'd like to share, we would love to hear it. Just upload a video telling us the Yiddish word, why you like it so much, where you learned it, and any other fun facts about it. Be sure to use the hashtag Yom's the word, that's Y-O-M-S, the word, and tag us at Yum's the word show. See if you can keep up. My favorite Yiddish word, I'm always sort of torn between fakakta and altakakar. Do you have a favorite Yiddish word, Alex? Well, I guess it's bobola. <laughs> Bubbala. Or boobala. He said boobala earlier. I was like, interesting. It sounds like a muppet. It does. <laughs> it that's actually sounds like a really cute and darling muppet. Come here, boobala. <laughs> um, that actually means grandmother. So, but I, I'm impressed you even wait, have a few wait, to wait, choose wait, from. Wait, wait. You greeted me as Bubbala earlier. I know, but it's also that. like a term of endearment. Is that why you said that was your favorite Yiddish word? Because you're like, I, I can't think of any others besides no, I, Kate Cocken. Well, it, it was sonically pleasing. Ah, it is. Hello, Bubbala. But you called me a grandmother. Sort of. <laughs> but it's like meant to be like lovely and endearing and somebody. With whom you feel close. All right. All right, Boobala. All right. (laughs) Fun fact, Mandy Patinkin, I don't know if you knew this, Alex, but Mandy Patinkin created a collection of traditional classical and contemporary songs that he sang completely in Yiddish. Wow. Right? Isn't that cool? And it was called Mama Lotion, which I hope I'm saying correctly, which means mother tongue. And get this, it won the Deutschen Schallplatten Prize, which is German's equivalent of a Grammy. Wow. Right? So, mazel tov, Mandy. Auntie's plotzing. All right, up next is Jordan Carlos. Jordan was recently a correspondent on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. He's been on Broad City, Nurse Jackie, The Colbert Report, and so much more. This is his story about the time his scoliosis backfired on him. You're welcome. I see what you did. Hello. Okay. I I said I would not do this show unless there was lactate on the stage. And there is. So we can do this. Um, I I grew up in suburban Texas, um, which is, yeah, that's okay. Some other Texans that are not afraid to say where they're from. Okay, cool. And... um, uh, it's for, for people that couldn't hack it in the big cities of Texas, so I was in, in the suburbs of Dallas, which is, yeah, hashtag too soon. Great. Okay, um, so I know, I know. Well, that's it's the truth is where I'm from. Uh, sorry, guys, uh, to paint that. Uh, I'll say another city. All right, so um, anyway, uh, that's where I'm from, and I, uh, I grew up uh, uh, hanging out with a group of kids that was... Uh, they're, they're bullies. They're big bullies. And uh, I was like bully adjacent. I was like the, uh, you know, I was like the equipment manager for the bullies. And uh, basically, if you're a bully, I mean, if you're a bully in Texas, you're like, that's like, that's high ranking in, in the bully, like, you know, pantheon. That's like, poof, you take no shit. Um, like, a, like a, you know, I mean... We, we would kick any, like, kind of, like, like uh, no offense, but, like, a, a bully from Portland is, like, nothing. You know what I mean? To a bully from Texas. So, so anyway, um, there was this one kid, right? And he had scoliosis. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he was different. That's right, guys. And uh, he had a back brace that he wore. His name was uh, Josh Goldberg. And we'd call him Turtle Nurdle. 
And um, the reason why we called him, I know. Is there a puppy in here? Okay, so um, the reason why we called him Turtle Nurdle was because we pushed him down into the uh, hot Texas dust um, during recess and then were amused to watch him get up. And as he did, we'd be like, Turtle Nurdle, right? And um, yeah, I'm losing you. Okay, so um, here's the deal. So. That happened, you know, we would watch him writhe, like it was at the beginning of, like at the beginning of uh, what's it called, Grapes of Wrath, that book, all right, so the turtle, all right, so, um, so anyway, yes, <laughs> so, so many people are going to beat me up after this story, here's, here's the deal, so uh, they would check you every year, right, uh, for scoliosis, right, they would check you, the nurse would be like, next, mm-hmm, next, that's right, yeah, looking good, looking good, then they got to me and the was like, holy shit, <laughs> and um, because my back was all, like, janky and messed up. And I, at the time, like, gangster rap had, had come on the scene, so I was starting to lean a little bit. So I was like, this is natural. Uh, the music that I'm listening to is making my back do this. And uh, the nurse is like, you need to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, and my dad's a doctor, so he knew this guy, Alexei Shelkoff, who's, like, a thoracic surgeon. He was, like, the best, you know what I mean? So he, like, sends me uh, to the thoracic surgeon, and uh, Alexei says... Uh, that's something you should know about Alexi Shelfoff. He was like, uh, he's, uh, he, he reminded me of Matthew McConaughey. Like, um, like a, he had, like, dick energy. Like, Matthew McConaughey, you know how Matthew McConaughey is always, like, presenting his dick, and he's like, this is my dick, this is my dick. This is it, this is it, all right, all right, all right. Like, he was also, he was also a cool doctor who, like, wore Crocs. He was the first person I knew who wore Crocs. And uh, he also would curse. So he's like, he'd be like, this is what he said. He's like, your back's all fucked up, all right? We're going to fix your back. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Chief. Don't worry about it. And I was like, wow, this guy, he's amazing. <laughs> he's going over my, like, your lumbaric and your thoracic are all janky, but we're going to straighten that right out. So I was really excited about that. So um, anyway, he's like, you've got scoliosis. You're going to have to wear a back brace. And then I was like, I'm going to be the black turtle. This is terrible. I'm going to be like, Josh, no, right? And uh, then he was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Got you covered. You're going to wear a night brace. So nobody at school is going to know that you have scoliosis. And I was like, thank you, doctor. Right? So I wore a night brace. And there were, like, no more sleepovers after that. I was like, no, you are not spending the night at my house. And I'm not spending the night at anybody's house. So I wore the back brace. And uh, during the daytime, I remember this so well. The first, the first day I had the back brace, right, uh, kids pushed Josh over again at the playground. It was terrible. And they're like, turtle, nerdle, right? And then <laughs> I wait for it to dissipate. I go over, I pick Josh up, right? And I was like, and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I have scoliosis too. And he's like, are you serious? And I push him back down. I was like, if you tell anybody, I'll fucking kill you. So, Jesus, guys, that's <laughs> fine. Everybody brought their feelings to <laughs> Poisson Rouge. Anyway, so I had to go in for surgery, right? I had to go, I had to, I had, the back brace didn't work, and I had to go for surgery. And Alexei Shelkoff, you should also know this about him, he liked the booger sugar. He was a cocaine addict. Um, he enjoyed that. He had, yeah, this is Texas, right? So he's like, yeah, whatever, no consequences. I'm a rock and roll doctor. So he, which is just ridiculous. He had his own center and everything. He had, his, he had this own, like, thoracic surgery center. And he was like, this is what we're going to do, little man. This is what we're going to do. I double booked your surgery. This is what he says. I double booked it. 
with this other lady, but don't worry about it. I'll do them at the same time. And I was like, that's a bad idea. I can tell you that at 13, that is a bad idea. But he just does it. He just does it. He's like, I got this. I got this. Right? And um, so he does a double, like, back surgery. And then he, then apparently, okay, so this is what happens. He wakes me up during the surgery. And, and I was like, what's going on? And he's like, your lung collapsed. Your lung collapsed. But you're all right. You're all right. And I was like, why did you wake me up for that? Why am I awake right now? So my lungs collapse, right? So he puts me back under. And I was like, ah, okay, and um, whatever. I'm tripping through fields with my grandpa or something like that. And then I wake up again, and, like, and this is what happens. This is what happens. So he says, uh, I, I learned that the lady on the other table has died. Dead. Dead. No, she's dead. She's quite dead now, guys. Dead, right? So that double surgery didn't go well. Um, so Lexi fucks up and he does that. And uh, so then I have to kind of like learn to like walk again and all this stuff. It's pretty terrible. Uh, if you've ever, has anybody have had scoliosis at all? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, sir. Lucky you. Okay. By the way, it was, it was Texas in the 90s and the nurse described this to me. This is the way she said it. I don't know if your nurse said it to you, but she's like, she's like that's a lady's disease, by the way. <laughs> you got a lady's disease. It's like, all right. Okay, I don't know how I'm supposed to take that news, but um, thank you. So I had to learn to walk again, all this stuff. It was a pretty crazy summer. I remember, like, people took pity on me. I got a copy of The Firm. That was pretty great. Uh, and then my brother bought me a House of Pain hat, uh, which I did not need at all. And, uh, but he was, he was trying to say I love you, you know what I mean? And, um, and finally, uh, on the day, I remember this so well, I hadn't peed. I remember I hadn't peed or anything. And the nurse was like, we're going to have to take out your colostomy bag. I was like, what's a, what's a colostomy bag? That's pretty serious, you know? And she's like, well, how do you think you didn't pee? You've had, you've had a catheter up your pee hole this whole time, sucking the pee out of your body, right? So I was like, oh, my God. And this, um, at the exact moment she says that, guess who comes to visit me? Josh Goldberg. <laughs> Swear to God, comes with his mom with flowers. And, and the nurse is like, this is a bad time. I'm going to take out his colostomy bag. And like Josh goes, this is the best time. <laughs> this is the best time. And, and she's like, Can he, are you okay with this, him staying in the room? And I, I was like, ah. And she's, she took that as a yes. And she's like, all right. And then Josh watched as I had this pulled out of me to his delight. And just his smile got broader and broader with every inch that came out. Now, that is, uh, so Josh, Josh got his way in the end, guys, okay? I got my just desserts. Jesus Christ, everybody's like, we want justice, all right. Years go by, years go by, and uh, here's what happened. Uh, I, um, <laughs> I was on a plane, and my friend was behind me on the plane, and, uh, and he was like, hey man, I gotta tell you something. Now, by the way, I had had a rod put in my back. This is what happens when you have scoliosis. You have a rod put in your back, um, you have your vertebrae fused, your lung collapses, and a lady dies beside you. Um, but this is what happened, that's what happened. And uh, by the, the rod just is like, was in there, just stuck in there, and uh, just holding my back in place. 
And uh, my friend was like, you got to see this. This is a Pokemon Go or something. And so um, I turned around, and, uh, and, and then I heard this snap in my spine. And I was like, that's not good, right? That's not good. But this is, you know, whatever. I, I, I was, like, young. I didn't care. And, uh, and the plane, we're, we're getting off the plane in L.A., and I start to feel a pain, like an appendicitis almost, right? And I was like, what, what's happening to me? And then I have to go to a table read because I've, I've just been uh, cast in an MTV show, guys, right? Jealous. <laughs> um, and I had to do a table read for a show called I Just Want My Pants Back, which, yes, yeah, some of you, calm down. All right, so <laughs> I'm on a better show now. All right, so, um, so we had to do a table read for two hours, right? It'd be funny for two hours, and I'm starting to pour Sweat, like sweat, like I'm sweating like a fucking runaway slave, just pouring sweat. And I was, it was terrible. And like, and I was like, I gotta be funny, I gotta be funny. Just sweat is dripping onto the pages of the script. And at one point, I asked this girl who's supposed to be my girlfriend on the show, she was terrible. I was like, if I had appendicitis, what are the symptoms? She's like, ah, you would have passed out by now. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. And so we get back into the town car that takes us to our hotel. I, I, I'm, I'm like, these are my last moments. This is pretty great. You know what I mean? I, I was like, this is it. I was very euphoric. I got to my hotel. This is what I did. I didn't call 911. I just downed a bottle of Pepto-Bismol and passed out, right? So long story short, get back to New York. I finally, I'm like, I got to go to the doctor. I got to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor. I love this. This is like... This is like black church. People are just <laughs> emoting. She's like, ah, do Jesus. Tell it. Hey, man, don't hurt him. Okay. Um, I like this place. All right. So anyway, uh, I, uh, I go to the doctor. The doctor's very cool. He's not like, not Alexis Shelkoff cool. But, um, but he goes, uh, this is not what you want to hear. We take x-rays. This is not what you want to hear from your doctor, right? He looks at the chart. He looks at me. He looks at the chart. He looks at me. He goes, what is that? What is, what, you're, I, I, it's up for, I, I'm answering the questions now? You, you're asking me? Like, I don't know, what is, I was like, that is, that is the goddamn brace that used to be in my spine, and it went all, it traveled all the way down, that's right, feel all the feels in this story, we're taking you high, we're taking you low, right here into what's called the iliac crest, iliac crest, yeah, a lot of people are looking at this guy's face, all right, so, so it's like a, it's like having a slug, like having a slug in your in your hip bone, right? And um, and he was like, I was like, can you get that out of me? And he's like, sure, I can, I can get that out of you. And I was like, what do you have to do? He's like, I cut you open, I take your femur out, and I scoop that bad boy out. And I was like, uh, that's okay, that's all right. So I've still got it. Security is weird. But you know what? In the end, I think we know that Josh Goldberg fucking won. <laughs> Am I right? Anyway, you guys have been a great crowd. It's in me right now, guys. <laughs> Good night. That was Jordan Carlos. Now, as someone who was bullied quite a bit in high school and college, I am pretty happy that justice was served. You can find Jordan on Twitter at Jordan Carlos. Okay, if you've been enjoying our podcast, and we hope you have, please share it with a friend, tell your coworkers, put announcements on the subway, whatever you got to do. We would love it, love it. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review because that helps boost our ratings within the iTunes world. 
And ultimately, it gets us more people listening, which we would love to share what we're creating here at Yum's the Word. Right, Alex? Right. (laughs) All right, our next live show I am so excited about because it falls the day after Yom Kippur, and we are calling it Yom's the Word, a night of Jewish storytellers. And this is the second time we're doing this. We did it last year. We had a rabbi reading the Mad Libs. We did a Yiddish quiz. It's always so much fun. That falls on Thursday, October 13th at Le Poisson Rouge. Uh, we've got Ophira Eisenberg, who hosts NPR's Ask Me Another. Mark Katz, who is a former White House speechwriter who wrote for Clinton and Gore. We've also got Joanna Solitaroff, who's a hit podcast producer and more. As I mentioned, we'll be playing Jewish Mad Libs, a Yiddish quiz, and you can get tickets for that show and details at yumsthewordshow.com. I hope that you can make it. Uh, And if you can't, be sure to follow all the fun the night of the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and of course, Facebook at yumsthewordshow. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, Robbie Motz, and Carly Patron. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Lashana Tova. And until next time. Blow hot milk out your ass. Yum's the word.